Hey everyone, this is Ari. And this is Sahita, and you're listening to TikTok. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> hey, I hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, it's been a hot uh, yeah. minute. Yeah, and it's been, uh, we're, we're still in quarantine in Singapore, so we are currently recording remotely again and trying to find new innovative de- ways of doing so. I mean, you should see how sweet that looks right now. <laughs> I have a huge lime green headphone on my head. It's bigger than my head. But you know what? We're going to make it work. So talk about the intergenerational representation of singlehood in Never Have I Ever. Now, before we start yeah. talking about you know what we're going to talk about today, I think it's very important to acknowledge what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, so I mean, we are aware that most of you know about what is going on in the US right now. And you know what? It's great to see that a lot of people that we know in Singapore and Indonesia have been posting their support about the current Black Lives Movement and, and the situation that's going on. Uh, so yeah, we, we, are, we urge everyone to keep reading up on uh, institutionalized racism, both in the US and of course, our own respective home countries. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just hope everyone is staying mentally safe as well because I know it's, it can get pretty stressful, you know, just reading up about this all day, every day. So yeah, yeah. we encourage you also uh, for all of you to take breaks from social media. And yeah, we can, let's continue to Ever Have I Ever, which is a show on Netflix that was released um, a few months ago this year. and. Yeah, it's it's pretty refreshing because I think it's a very a, a light-hearted show. And yeah, but what do you think, Sarita? Um, yeah, so I found this film really this show actually very interesting because it got a lot of media attention because the main character she's Indian and you know we've never really seen a film like that, let alone a coming of age mm. show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think what's really interesting is that, I mean, like many of our other conversations centered upon a narrative that is about um, relationships, love. And what we thought was really interesting about um, the underlying messages is the idea of singlehood that seems to be shown across generations that we don't see as often, especially mm. when it comes yeah. to um, the brown community, I guess. Yeah, and it focuses on a family that is... Um, that 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 they are basically immigrants from mm-hmm. India, and it the show centers around Devi, who's uh who is a fifteen year old second generation American, Indian American, and yeah, so so this show actually has a lot of layers to it, and it has great representation, and um I I definitely relate to some aspects of it, uh, you know, being a third culture kid, mm-hmm. uh, like Devi. Because I mean, I I also migrated from Indonesia to India, and yeah, Singapore. yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and I think what's also interesting is that in the beginning of the show, they've actually showed um, her parents moving to uh, to the U.S. and their kind of mm-hmm. transition to the U.S. be it, um, their journeys and moving with some kind of spiritual or religious um, notions and ideas, and then how yeah. that was different for Devi. Devi. So, yeah. yeah, I think some of the female yeah. characters we'll be looking at beside Devi is um, her cousin, Kamala. Kamala, yeah. Her mom. And I think one of the women that really gave me the most 
striking kind of impression is the woman yeah. in the temple event. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think that must have been episode four. Yeah, the the never have I ever been Indian enough. I think that yeah. was the name of the episode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're gonna discuss these women and how singlehood has been portrayed and the underlying societal notions of singlehood that they've had to kind of contest to, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. But uh, spoiler alert, though, because yeah. uh, just in case, I mean, we'll try our best not to spoil, spoil the whole show, but I'm sure it would, it would be spoiling one way or another. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do hope that yeah. the majority of our listeners have kind of watched it or tried to watch it um, with their own opinions on it. Um, yeah, I do really have I do have my opinions on the show in a sense that I found Davy pretty annoying in the beginning, but I think overall <laughs> the <is> film. <laughs> I think it's because we're twenty three. We're so past the kind of narrative that the show was kind of yeah, like, yeah. on in she's, the beginning. My God, she's literally like the embodiment of teen angst. She's yeah. just boy crazy. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess I can relate. But, I mean, you'll see that towards the end, uh, she becomes pretty unrelatable, unrelatable because, yeah, I just didn't experience that myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it was more of like, if you were over, I guess, 19, depending on where you live and you're already in university, like this, mm-hmm. the narrative that this show kind of hinges upon in the beginning would not really appeal to you. Um, at least yeah. it didn't appeal to me, but I think you have to give it some time. You have to be patient. It gets more appealing to people in our age range after like the fourth episode onwards yeah because it's when the cultural elements kind of reveal themselves right yeah and also and also like um there is a reason as to why Devi seems like she's boy crazy and obsessed with this boy because like basically she's trying to escape from her deep-seated pain of, of what happened to her family you know recently and yeah i think that's also worth noting yeah, I think it's a huge spoiler yeah. here. But I mean, it's not really a spoiler mm. if you made it past the first episode that her father I mean, like had passed away. Like the first 10 minutes, away. bro. <laughs> yeah. Her father had so passed shocked. away and it's obviously it's not funny. Um, and yeah. I guess this whole idea of her trying to get a high school boyfriend and it having been pretty cute guy in my opinion. Um, yeah, very hot. Mr. Yoshida. Uh, yeah, yes, so Yoshida. I think <laughs> that's a form of escapism for her and um, a good distraction as well. So, yeah, so that kind of, besides that being for a way for her to grieve, it also reveals a lot of um, her need to, to conform to the Western ideals of a high school life or relationship. Yeah. And what is viewed as cool and uncool. And though it seems trivial, it actually reveals the greater reality of having to kind of assimilate when you're residing in a country that is not your home country or yeah, what people that, that, perceive to be your home country. Yeah, and, and right? people with like a vastly different culture from, yeah. from like your family. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that she was trying to escape from her Indianness, yeah. as, and it especially shows in the fourth episode. When, when like, um, she was made to wear a sari uh, to go to this festival called Ganesh Puja. And, like, they, the ho- her whole family had to go to the temple. And she was very resistant to the idea of, you know, ce- celebrating and performing her culture. And I, I believe she also confronted, like, an old family friend 
who yeah. who used to also think the same way as her. But as he grew older, I think when he started going to to university, um, he started embracing the culture, and she was she was just like, "What? Like, what are you doing this?" And she just didn't get it. Yeah, but I think she only got it when Paxton, yeah. her crush, saw her wearing the oh, sari yeah. in the corridor, and it was like, "You're cool. Like, you know, this is cool." And she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "Oh." This is cool, you know. So and she got validated, right? <laughs> yeah. But this yeah. is also the larger reality of how sometimes being a minority in a country, you kind of without even realizing sometimes like you need some kind of validation from a vast majority mm-hmm. um yeah. on certain things of what is cool, what is cooler, what is um not weird and what is weird. I definitely did face yeah. that when I was growing up, especially around Davy's age. But I think another yeah, another thing that um Davy kind of pointed out is that I think every third culture kid has different magnitudes or extents in which they are connected to their home country and their host mm-hmm. country. So for some people, I think for Davy, she does not view her host country as her host country. Do you get what I mean? She views she yeah, sees yeah. herself as she views as her home. Yeah, right. Because she was well, she was she was she technically was born technically there, right? She's technically yeah. born and raised there. Yeah, so she she kind of have. She has, I think she has very little connection to India. Like, I believe she probably only visited India for during vacations. Like, yeah. she she did mention like um to her mom like why why can't we go to um Aspen like like, like one everyone of her friends else. for vacation <laughs> like like everyone else like, go to India. Oh my god. So yeah, yeah. so I think Davy is a very stereotypical um representation of a teenager, a single teenager, but yeah. with a third culture element. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Giving her I, another I dimension like, in her experiences. Yeah, but that is also a very common narrative for yeah. um, a second-generation American immigrant. Yeah. Trying to fit in in high school. Trying to fit in, Because yeah. for most people, high school is like a microcosm of like the larger society. I know that's debatable, mm-hmm. but when you're 16, like you think that school is the microcosm of the larger society. Yeah, like it's your whole world. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean... Could could you identify with her journey being single at that age, like in high school? I could. Like the yeah. phone <laughs> is real. <laughs> Although I stopped identifying when okay, spoiler alert, um mm-hmm. she she started having two guys go after her in the end. Like I couldn't relate to that. I was just like, Okay, now you're unrelatable. <laughs> oh, when she had a lot of people. <laughs> she suddenly had a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she suddenly had a lot of me. I'm like, whoa, how come? Like, okay, that that's unrealistic. <laughs> Not realistic at all. <laughs> I mean, come on. I would die to have, like, a really hot guy chasing after me, like, coming up to, like, my front door and be like, hey, where are you? <laughs> Well, well that's not that's not gonna happen where, where we live because yeah. they can't even enter <laughs> for, for to begin with. But, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't find it super relatable when it comes to the whole idea of singlehood just because I think I was more detached than she was like maybe for for teenagers especially this day and age with social media bear in mind we barely had social media in um, secondary school right we had it in junior college which is a high school yeah but it wasn't I mean when I was 15 there wasn't much there was only Facebook there was no Instagram. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, at least. Yeah, I think yeah. Instagram only came about when I was, like, 17. I had 17, Instagram 18. at 15, but it wasn't, 
like as intense as it is now. Like yeah. there's a lot more pressure for teenagers nowadays to obviously be in the in crowd and and mm-hmm. be a certain way and have be in a relationship. But I mean, if you see TikTok, you oh, see all these videos of 16 and 17 year olds living a life that you think you 23 should live, but you haven't even lived yet in this yeah. aspect of life, at least for me. So. Actually, it's kind of disturbing. Like it a is. lot of them post um stuff related to sex and i'll be like oh that's funny then i look at their account and i'm like oh my god you're only 16 <laughs> i yeah. felt uncomfortable like i don't, I don't want to see a 16 year old posting about sexual stuff i mean it happens but i don't need to see it but that's oh, another I, I guess yeah that's a whole other conversation um <laughs> yeah tiktok uh, <laughs> not our podcast though no no the other listen to our podcast TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah for david was like really interesting to see how she came up with like a plan such a detailed plan yeah. on like yeah. who she should go and get close to who by the way the guy that she picked for herself is gay but it was just that he was really popular so uh, yeah, he would have yeah, been yeah. noticeable then but she had picked yeah. like guys for her friends and they're like okay yeah they're just like okay yeah we need to have a boyfriend like we need to do it for the club <laughs> Which is interesting. I mean, obviously, I can't relate to um, such an elaborate plan. I mean, none of my no. friends actually planned that far. But, I mean, I could relate, you know, the, the feeling of wanting to be in a relationship. Just because, you know, I see a lot of people starting to have relationships. And now yeah. everyone like, oh, I wonder how it feels like. And yeah. sometimes, like, I will get, like, this sense of um, shame. Because, like, oh, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why why haven't I had, like, a boy chase after more than 15? You know what I mean? Like, do you ever yeah. get that? Yeah, I feel like that's the one thing I relate to with her <laughs> is like <laughs> this constant questioning of why. Yeah, why? You know what right? I mean? Like, I'm such why a am I why? not? Well, I don't think that way. <laughs> I just joke about that. But it's like, <laughs> she's, she's just more like, um, I think the whole, the constant reminder that she is different from everyone else and she does not fit into some kind of mold that mm. high school has kind of built up and the underlying shame that that brings to her with this constant reminder on a daily basis I think that's something that I can relate to with her because oh, okay. besides like socializing I think besides that right like the cultural element when it comes to socializing and some culture shocks that comes with it when it goes to when it comes to teenage like uh, relationships it's, it's just a whole other yeah. dynamic dimension to it because you're like not questioning if you're enough and this is why she's doing all these things to change herself mm. right yeah, yeah um to great extents so i think that's my take on davy is there anything else you want to say about davy um yeah i think i think that's it i just feel like yeah sometimes she truly does try too hard to um change who she is and i think that was actually a, a source of conflict well, between her and her friends, right? Because like yeah, and her um, and her it mom. It seems like yeah, and her and her mom as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And also like, I mean, one thing that I can't relate to Davy is the fact, like, I mean, like she is so hot headed. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah. why like <laughs> I actually found her annoying. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, because like just chill. Yeah. Jeez. Teenage <laughs> angst is this kind of vacuum. teenage we angst. Never man. understand. We, we yeah. Yeah. It. But once you're out we have. of it, you just don't understand it. I, I, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I feel like Davy really um, shows her teenage angst. I mean, I probably had that internally as well. Yeah. I like, think I, I had I it. I understand why she's doing it. It was different from hers, definitely. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go all out. 
Yeah, I think the show kind of contrasts her constant pursuit of kind of fitting into a mall to get a boyfriend to that of Kamala, yeah. like her cousin. Oh, why? Oh, you mean because Kamala is so effortless? Well, no, not that. It's like Kamala was really... Cause, because she came in late, right? So she was just like yeah. trying to figure out like, what is this relationship thing? What is this love marriage thing about, right? And oh, she was kind right, of right. clueless yeah, about new, it. It's she, all new for her. Yeah, and she played, I guess, a more passive role in a sense that, like, yeah, she was dating that other guy in secret, but she wasn't, mm-hmm. like, actively changing herself as well. Yeah, she, she wasn't. She was just being herself. Yeah, and I think she was trying to figure out this new, I guess, new adopted third culture identity in a, an organic form, but also that kind of shows, like, the itch difference like the different stages yeah. of navigating through different cultures. And for her, she kind of yeah. did it in a I mean, more like, I guess, passive way, you know. Less and also a mature way. Because Kamala is, I think she's in her mid-20s. She's, she's yeah. probably our age though. And I mean, she, she, I feel like she navigates it uh, in a more conscious way. Because mm-hmm. she understands like um, her upbringing and what her parents value. And she, did, and she took that into consideration as well. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think but it was, also she wants to live her own life. Exactly, and she's yeah. she's always been really clear about that, in the way oh, yeah, she's been, she oh, yeah she faces things in her daily life, like with her dating the the guy, sorry, with her dating the guy in her school in yeah. in secret, and being very transparent with him about it. I think mm. that's kind of like an example of a conversation a lot of us would have or has had to go through. Yeah, and, and also, like, um, I mean, it, it, it's a very adult conversation that they're both going through. I mean, I don't, I don't think if Kamala was baby's age that I don't think she would be brave enough to actually um, talk about that with her boyfriend. I mean, if they yeah. were in high school. And I don't think, like, the, the secret boyfriend would be as open to it as well and, or yeah. as understanding. Because the, the secret boyfriend... I'm just calling him secret boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, was pretty understanding. She, I mean, at least he tried to understand. Although yeah, he wasn't day, towards he, the he end. So snuck <laughs> yeah, 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 he just <laughs> snuck in, which is kind of romantic. I mean, I wish that happened to me. No, but that's <laughs> kind of I could what, relate to Kamala as well. <laughs> that's kind of what I like because he could have been like stereotypically right. He could have jumped into his her room and was like, "No, let's make this work." And she's like, "Okay, let's mm. do this. Like love marriage." 100% all the way. It's more nuanced in a way that she yeah, was like, I was really hold surprised. on, wait, like I told you that I needed a break because I'm trying to figure out this arranged marriage situation. Yeah. And also, I like how Min, uh, Mindy Kaling yeah. was really intentional in who she picked to be her arranged marriage partner. My god, he was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was I was like, like the stereotypical nerd who had no game and like had no yeah. choice but to fall into, um, yeah, 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 you know, an arranged marriage. And they even had a conversation about like you know taking things slow and going through their own journeys mm. before deciding what is best for their personal growth. And I think that adds another layer in a sense that for people who've, I guess, grown into a more Western-centric mindset when it comes to love, like we've always been had the we've always had the impression that forced these are forced marriages that would not yeah, last, yeah. right? I but, mean, even we think that, right? Yeah. Like, we did. 
But sometimes it's kind of like you have to acknowledge that for a lot of cases now, especially for third generation kids, there is consent on both parties. Um, And they actually had a conversation about it. It does work for some people and it doesn't work for some. And Kumala is just an example of someone who's trying to figure out if it works for her or if it doesn't. And testation of identity that she goes through um, juxtaposes that of Devi who calls her like so Indian. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did, she did. You know? Yeah. But it's just like, it, it's not that Kamala's so Indian. She's just trying to figure out what kinds of cultural practices to uphold when it comes to daily mm. practices and when it comes to, you know, bigger decisions in life, like getting married and finding a partner. Yeah, right? and also, like, um, the show also shows, like, there's nothing wrong with being, quote-unquote, so Indian, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like how the show doesn't vilify, vilify um, arranged marriage in the end. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a good twist and how and like you know when when Kamala confront uh confronted the secret boyfriend when the secret boyfriend um told her like why 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 do you want to be sold by your family? Remember yeah. that scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then uh Kamala's like, whoa, that's kind of racial. And like, yeah, that's a good point, right? Like I like, love people that just she make stood assumptions. Up for herself. Yeah. You know, because like, like she she's also struggling with it as well. I want to see more of her. And if there is a Yeah, oh my god. Series, I, I feel right? like we will though. Yeah. Yeah, I so would like to see more of her because she is in the beginning I was kind of like why? Yeah, I kind of felt like how Divi felt. Like why is she trying so hard to uphold certain cultural um, you know, practices, daily practices, right? But then towards as the show progresses, I realized that she's just trying to figure out, you know, what really makes up her identity and what makes up her cultural identity. You know, yeah. and that's something that we don't see in a lot of shows, in a sense. And she she does yeah. it in a way that it seems neutral, but she's not really vilifying any culture, nor yeah, is she, she you know, is. kind of putting one culture above the other. She's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what fits for her lifestyle and her you know priorities. And I really really like that about her, and and yeah. and she's really pretty as well. So she is. She's wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, would would arranged marriage work for people like me? Probably not, right? But that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for other people, you know? Yeah, Um, right. And I also like how um, the show showed that, uh, you know, it's like Kamala was, initially she was pretty iffy on the arranged marriage part, right? But once she saw the guy in her doorstep, doorstep, she was like, whoa. You're not like other like you did. You're not nerdy like I thought you were gonna yeah, be. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, see, the the really shows like how looks matters too, right? Yeah, I was thinking like, well, if he yeah. was like, if he didn't look like that, it would have been a different situation. But I think yeah, that was not the point of of that scene. It was more of like, you know, there are other multifaceted ways of looking at love, and and we should kind of start evaluating that and not vilify other people's um cultural practices as long as consent is given. On both parts, yeah, consent is really important. Right? Yeah, yeah, which is the the case here, you know. Yeah, and and like so, the two of them discuss and like, oh, you know what? They 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 were like, we should we should take it slow. We should get to know each other, and yeah. like, uh, I think one of them said like, oh, like, you know, like, basically said we're not gonna get married straight away. I think she said that she didn't want to get ma- get married straight away. Then the guy was like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's just take it yeah. slow. Yeah, and which I is think- great. That is also um, kind of a clear indication of what singlehood means for people like Kamala. 
Like it means still finding out what kind of relationship and be it romantic or not works for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think great point. this kind of intergenerational element can be seen in how she's still, you know, very firm in her own sense of self. And that kind of juxtaposes Davy's mom. When, do you remember the scene when they had a video call with the guy's parents? the guy uh-huh. from the arranged oh, marriage yeah. um, okay. and Kumala was just being herself and Debbie's mom's like no 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 All like right. you know, we yeah. have the standard answer and that's how Debbie's mom views relationships because that's how it worked during her time but for, for Kumala yeah. being a single 20 something year old like she found the need to have a sense of self and her voice yeah authenticity right yeah like, her for her that's what's gonna make a relationship work yeah, and, and you can see kind of this intergenerational tension as well. Um, yeah. And eventually Kamala kind of, you know, still upholds that sense of self and did not want to give in to any kind of pressure to be with someone because she still prioritizes herself, which I think is such a good message. Okay, so now that we're talking about like relationships and the underlying like journey to navigating through singlehood, what do you think about Gaby's mom in this context? I actually like Davy's mom's um, journey throughout the show. Like, uh, she's she's a very typical um, tiger mom in a sense. Like, she she has this very like tough love approach. But I mean, because like the show is a comedy, a comedic show essentially. Um, so she has a lot of witty one-liners, and I just love how she she keeps roasting Paxton. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, wow. That's literally what my mom would say, but I mean, she wouldn't say it out because she's, she's uh, a, a very polite Indonesian lady. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's a different culture. Um, yeah, it's a different culture. Home. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, with regards to her journey um, as a recent widow, a widower, I feel like um, I could I could really see how the show is portraying her to be. Um, uh, like someone who's trying to be strong for her family because like yeah. she's she's literally the sole breadwinner she's the only adult uh, essentially and and she has to lead um her these two younger girls in her household like she first of all she needs to raise her teenage daughter and she also has to kind of like guide um Kamala like her her niece on her new uh, journey as an adult and like she was she was very involved in her arranged marriage uh, arranged yeah. marriage at one point, right? And I don't know, maybe it's actually her one of her ways of distracting herself. Do you think? You think? Uh, that's I, I the case. I don't know if it's a she's way. Very, of her... She was very focused. I mean, she. I feel like she's just trying to distract herself anyway with um, lots of things that's going on in her life. Because clearly, like towards the last episode, in her, in her last episode, like she she hasn't actually dealt with her husband's passing at all. Yeah, and like. See how she tried to sell her husband, her late husband's uh, motorcycle, mm-hmm. and yeah, I feel like she she was also trying to erase, not erase, but she's trying to um get rid of the pain by getting rid of um her husband's uh, items, basically. Yeah, I think besides besides her getting rid of her husband's like motorcycle, but she eventually didn't do it, right? Yeah. Um, besides that, though, I think. Her distraction wasn't as intentional as you would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, wasn't. Yeah, I don't think she intentionally distracted herself, right? Mm. It was just that she had to take up two roles um, 
you know, with no preparation done prior, no kind of warning at all. Like all of a sudden, yeah, she has I to mean, be the there mom. was no way to do it, right? Yeah, to, to prepare like, for a husband's death. Out of yeah, out of nowhere, she had to be a mom and a dad. Um, mm. And I think what this film kind of shows is that not only it's a very, not only is it a very sorry not movie this series not only is it a very empowering kind of series for women of color but also mm. you know she's kind of the embodiment of that because yeah I think the kind of general narrative now that we do see online although it's changing is that we have this typically quote unquote brown women who is very much dependent on her husband, who gave up everything yeah. in her life to be with her husband, and she doesn't have any kind of um, sense of grounding or any kind of say in in the relationship besides, you know, all things domestic and daily domestic stuff as well, you yeah. know. But she ha- has always been involved, and she obviously had to make the decisions eventually uh, on everything yeah. re- with regards to the family and even, you know, having a career while doing so yeah you know and so she I, still has a career after she marriage. still has a career yeah. and she she's still kind of able to juggle both somehow and i mean yeah. she does show the struggles of being a single mom and having to raise her daughter and trying to instill kind of cultural values but i think mm. you know we need a lot more characters like her i do see netflix trying to showcase these kinds of characters and films like working mom you know and and Ooh, her okay. story here is like an extension of that being a woman of color yeah. bring a brown woman but also i think she her her role also portrayed um how um unfortunately there is little emphasis on uh, mental health in yeah. the asian community like how um she she i feel like she doesn't realize that she actually needs um an outlet for her problems like she thinks she can just you know um bury her like she thinks she has to bury everything like her her grief her pain in order to just you know move on because like to her there's there, there's other more important stuff to settle which is true there she has a lot going on but i think it's important to also process the pain which she hasn't been doing which is yeah. what we also try to avoid i feel i feel like this is kind of the thing when it comes to navigating through singlehood it's like especially for someone her age navigating through singlehood um, at a period where you think you should have a partner or, or you know normally someone would have a partner at her age right um, yeah. so navigating through singlehood at that age range doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it alone and you're alone mm-hmm. in the journey i think that's kind of a misconception yeah. this film tries to bridge is that singlehood does not equate to loneliness yeah do you, you know don't, doesn't mean like you're alone you know how they say it takes a village to raise a child yeah i think it just it does it's not limited to the, the growth of a child right yeah. it's it's also the growth of a person you know your personhood is made up of so many experiences with people and help from people in various aspects of your life and sometimes you forget oh, okay. the importance of professional help Oh that, yeah, therapy, we, right? Yeah, yeah, that we see is pretty much uh, missing here. Obviously, it's a privilege. Yeah. Um, if you're it not is. able to, uh, if you're not able to afford professional help, you know, it would be great to have people around you who can kind of a strong support system, right? Yeah, fill up that hole. But I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like another downside that we see in the film. Like for example, 
I think I talked about this with you before. It was clearly shown that in her community, she has no kind of support system because she had yeah. to put on a face when she went to the event in the temple. You know, and there was and this like, constant like, comparison, even though yeah. her husband literally like just her husband passed literally passed away. passed away, right? Yeah, and and all these aunties kept um, asking her about. I mean, they were they were very out of line sometimes. Like they yeah. they kept asking like intrusive questions about her husband's death and telling her what to not do so that people won't get the wrong impression of her being a single woman. Yeah, of like, her being yeah, and who whose husband just passed away. Like basically, you know, like criticizing her, although not directly, of course. Like oh, like why do you dye your hair? It's something as simple as that. And yeah. then she and Davy's mom was like, well, I don't want to. Um, let herself go and and then um the auntie made like some snide comment about it yeah yeah i think that scene was kind of striking as well because here we see someone right navigating through singlehood at her age with a child um you know with no kind of preparation or no conception of what she's going through doing this Mm -hmm. all alone organically and then entering a space that should feel like home should resemble home but instead it is um kind of like a space where you know your kind of appearance your personhood the way you live your life is being dictated by what is ought to be done yeah you know and and i think that's kind of ironic yeah it's ironic yeah i mean like because the temple is supposed to be a safe haven with you know like a strong um community that that can support you but instead like these older women they just they don't show up with support. Instead, they show up with uncalled advice. Um, and they mask them as like a form of care. It's masked as a form yeah. of care, which I think is yeah, really yeah. harder to point out. Um, mm. And I think this is a very interesting kind of element, like third culture element to um, Davy's mom's kind of journey being a single mom, a new single mom, is that, you know, you're, you're here trying to be someone upholding, you know, aspects of your culture and your religion but it's really difficult when you don't have the kind of support from the very same people Mm. from the community and it's very much it also shows the kind of tension between you know the kind of human errors or faults and our kind of shortcomings as human beings in relation to a concept a religious concept or ideal that is perfect so when you see a human beings trying to reach a sense of perfection and it comes to religiosity Mm. Us human beings sometimes forget our humanity and the people yeah. around us, and this is clearly shown there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which yeah. I think is really, it's something that I'm glad they show in the film, kind of, not really implicitly, but it wasn't like the main like point of the show. Yeah, it was more of a background thing. Yeah, but still, like it really it stood out. Yeah, it's a backdrop, yeah. but it still stands out because yeah. of how uh, shockingly rude it was. To be frank. And and her only way of kind of dealing with, you know, this tension between within the community is to just be poised. Yeah, to be poised, to to just smile and let it slide. I mean like she has no choice. She can't just um confront them. Yeah, because that would jeopardize her, yeah. her position in that community community and yeah. she has literally it nowhere like bad to of her family, to. right? Yeah, she yeah. has nowhere else to run to at that point. That's true. You know? Yeah. She's so away I think from that's a family. Lot of, that's a lot of third culture kind of struggle because, you know, when you're a kid or when you're a teenager or a single woman in your 20s, you kind of 
sometimes fall into the trap of vilifying the elders or mm-hmm. generations before you. But sometimes yeah. we kind of forget how our journeys kind of parallel. In a way, yeah. you know, the generations before us are obviously navigating through cultural differences and different types of cultures and expectations, figuring out what makes up their cultural identity. At the same time, you know, our generation is doing so. And that's why yeah. there's this intergenerational tension. Even when you see, you know, the differences in how these characters navigate through singlehood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah. Another aspect of that episode um, with the with the temple, I'll just call it like the quote-unquote temple episode, is actually the woman in the temple event. Um, the one that uh, that was kind of she. Th- this woman was an outcast, right, in her community because she married uh, someone who who was not arranged for her by her family, and she and then the this person, this guy was a Muslim, a Muslim guy, I think, and mm-hmm. so uh, that that definitely like outcasted her, and and I think it was interesting how um, even Davy's mom didn't want to sit with her during lunch because she didn't want her family to be talked about. Yeah. By I, f- I felt like yeah, this woman... she associated with the woman. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. I just felt like this woman, uh, she kind of essentially embodied or symbolized every kind of taboo. Like yeah. multiple, multiple taboos that the community kind of tries to avoid. She yeah. married out of love. She married someone beyond outside her religion and then they had a divorce yeah, and a muslim guy out of all people yeah <laughs> because if you understand the the social political reality and yeah. you know so that kind There's of a lot of baggage was, yeah there was a lot of baggage in that and that was kind of another taboo on top of that she had a divorce so she mm, you know yeah. was was just made up of a lot of taboos in their eyes and that's why yeah. they didn't want to even sit with her you know and this know, kind of separation terrible. is so explicit in the show mm-hmm. um, yeah <laughs> that's the sure, most explicit one yeah i think that was explicit i think it was also intentionally made su- uh, as such yeah. um and i think she also gave kamala advice after and you know, not to go after like love marriages. I don't know if this played a yeah. part in her decision in the following episodes. I I don't think so, but I think it can. I think that that kind of showed. Um, I think it. I mean, Kamala was probably looking for some sort of comfort with yeah. her, right? Because because she at the time she was still seeing someone that's also outside of her culture, mm-hmm. but then to her disappointment. Um, the, the woman basically told her to just follow her family because what, what she experienced worked against her. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like peop- a lot of people, at least I did feel this way when I watched her give that advice. I was kind of like, no, like, there was nothing wrong yeah, was with what she did. I was yeah, like, yeah. But you know, it, it reveals another thing, right? It reveals how your identity and navigating through different cultures and fig- figuring out what, what works for you is not a linear, like, process. Mm-hmm. Do you get what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's so multifaceted. It's kind of like, there's so many things to navigate through and you can't always view it as this one straight path, you know? Yeah. You kind of have yeah, to make U-turns sometimes. Things will go wrong too. Yeah, I mean, and it, there's something wrong with that too. I don't think, what the women, the woman in the temple did was wrong. It just, I mean, sure, it worked against her, but you know, sometimes that's just what happens in life. You know, it, it also, really does. Yeah. It also shows how, 
I'm pretty sure she felt that way because she couldn't find another community community that would accept her and this was kind of like mm. the most logical place she thought she could kind of find yeah. comfort in um, it's also a religious space right so you should be able to yeah. find refuge in this religious space but the people in it kind of made it difficult um, but another, another thing I think this scene shows is that you can't simply categorize your problems or mistakes in life and kind of jump to conclusions you know a failure in marriage doesn't mean that, oh, it's because you went against a community. Yes, the yeah. presence of a community matters in the kind of support yeah. that you have in the marriage, but it doesn't equate to the failure of a marriage. Yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah. I you mean, know, it kind of who knows? Many, there might be. A, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that uh, there, there might be other factors for her breakdown in marriage, right? Who knows? Mm. Like, I mean, her story wasn't told, but real, realistically, I mean, Maybe they had like a personality clash. I mean, someone cheated on whoever, like who knows? Yeah, there must be a lot of reasons yeah. as to why things don't work. And I think mm. you know, a lot of third culture kids turn adults or even third culture adults jump, you know, fall into the trap of equating the reasons for failure for their inability to conform to a cultural norm. Yeah, it's a narrative fallacy. Yeah, you know, it's, and I think that's something that I've obviously a trap that I've obviously fallen into before and I think many of yeah. us have. So I think this scene was, even though it wasn't like a long scene, I think it was a very important film. It was a turning point. So it was an important scene and it was a turning point in the series, I felt. That's when I was like, um, okay, yeah. the series is going somewhere. So yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. It's, reached it's the not point, just a dumb teenage comedy, yeah. right? <laughs> and, unless you've reached this part of the series, I think you should kind of reserve your judgments. Mm-hmm. for a yeah, while um, because I think it's very important that the different kinds of representation of singlehood is being shown in a way that it has been um, you know. I was just going to say the, the characters actually develop so much more after this episode what this show really really shows is that besides you know trying to get into a relationship um, it also shows different journeys in singlehood and navigating through singlehood um, mm-hmm. for different age ranges in particular, you know, people, women, um, who are also third culture kids or adults. So I think that is yeah. something that this series has shown and proved to be valuable for. Um, it's, a, it's not perfect, like we've made pretty clear. Um, but I yeah. think, you know, it reveals a lot of things that implicitly or explicitly that um, a lot of shows have failed to show. Yeah, and I also like how um, the show also portrayed um, how what it's like being a single mom who is in her forties, mid forties. Mm-hmm. I I don't think we see a lot of portrayals of women, um, of mature women, especially mature women of color. I don't think I've seen yeah a show yeah portraying that um, except maybe how to get away with murder. Yeah, <laughs> but it, 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 it's, it's not, very refreshing. <laughs> it's not like the show also doesn't necessarily equate this kind of um, strong women to like perfection. I mean, they had a lot of yeah. issues and imperfections, but in a way it also shows mm-hmm. how, you know, a lot of things that women go through are culturally nuanced and there are a lot of intersectionalities that have been yeah. overlooked in um, filmmaking process. And I really, really like that. So if you kind of like this kind of episode, this is really new to us, 
please do drop us a DM and tell us what kind of shows you want us to talk about or if you have oh, a specific yes. More show. More recommendations for you. Yeah. yeah. We really and, like shows like these. Yeah, and how we can also improve on our podcast because this is definitely still very new to us. Um, we took quite a bit of a break trying to figure out the whole audio system thing. Um, yeah. yeah. How to record remotely. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, we live in a time where conversations like this are incredibly important and we hope that, you know, we can definitely talk about things that you are also interested in and have a conversation with us. Yeah, I think it's great to talk about um, films and even books, actually. Yeah, so we'll see you till the next episode. Yep, see you. Take, Take care, care, everyone. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Bye.